This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. Hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal cast. Uh, last week we tried to keep it short and sweet, and we did not. So this week we're actually going to do that. Uh, we've got a brief topic now that the dust has settled in a post-Stoneforge world for modern. Mm -hmm. uh, we are going to cover what is real, what is fake, uh, in terms of spikes, yes. and then what some of our expectations are going forward uh, for the format, and financially what you can see with you know various pieces of equipment across the way. Yeah. So, uh, start it off then. All right, uh, so... The first thing that happened when they unbanned Stoneforge Mystic was Stoneforge Mystic popped. And I think we saw both versions, promo, GP promo and set, at 80 each. And then steadily tumble throughout Monday down to 60. And I honestly don't know where they are sitting now. But that is very much uh, a real spike in the overall floor of the card. In, in time, but initially yeah. the upfront price was fake. Nobody was paying over $300 for a set of Stoneforge Mystics without, within hours of uh, the unban. $70 right now for yeah. a card that was printed in World Wake, has a GP promo within the last few years, and was also in a the theme event deck. deck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Grand Prix promos Oh, ha, the judge promo's on here. Nice joke, bro. Yeah, someone someone listed it for 5K, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it has a price in the open market because one person somehow was able to list one of the, like, eight of these things that exist on TCG Player. So, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this is this is a card that will command a, a brand new floor. I think it settles in long-term in f around 40 because we're still holding our breath on the fact that this won't wreck the format. It, it's going to follow Jace the Mind Sculptor and the fact that it just shot up and when it didn't crush the format, it'll settle back down to a real price. So, yeah. resetting the floor and that that spike is definitely true, but the release day hype was not, and it's going to be the same for every uh, card that's yeah. unbanned. The next few cards on the list, however, their spikes are quite real. The next one on our list is Sword of Fire and Ice. That card is tantamount to the Stoneforge package for decks yep. that already play Hand Disruption. Once yep. you have somebody's hand under control, like in an, a, a Jund or Absent or Mardu-style shell, you need to start picking up your own form of advantage, and that's where Fire and Ice really ticks in. Feast and Famine is good, but if they're empty-handed, you're doing nothing with half of that trigger. Yeah. So we're looking at the Dark Steel, the Modern Masters 1, and the Judge promo, which took a little while to go because it already had a decent price on it. Those are all very real prices, and they're going to stay yep. that way until that card gets reprinted because this is a modern staple right now, this is a legacy staple, and this is an EDH staple. Yeah. And then, I, I think it'll be interesting to see... I, I think this may actually go up a little bit more still as well, mm -hmm. because we still haven't settled into a non-Wurza Stoneforge list. Correct. And I think once we have it settled, yep. uh, of all of the cards on the rest of our real list, I think Fire and Ice has the most room to grow. Uh, and it's for several reasons, I believe, because uh, as well, the first is short printings in both both actual sets. 
and I might be wrong about this. It might be Fifth Dawn, but I thought it was Dark Steel that was shorted from Distro because of the water damage. Dark during, Steel. Yeah, during housing. A good yep. chunk of that cell was actually destroyed while it was being housed before release. There was... Yep. Uh, what do you call it in the insurance world? The uh, act of God. Yeah. Basically. So, Dark Seal is just in short supply in general because of that. Also a set that is technically in the modern era, but in the non-modern era of release quantity. Yes. Right. So, I, I think scarcity is definitely going to play a part in this card, uh, whether or not we see an additional release uh, of it later on, because equipment doesn't necessarily ruin standard. We might see this come back, maybe not. Yeah. Next on the list is Sword of Feast and Famine. Uh, that is from Mirrodin Besieged, correct? Yes. Yes. And. And event deck. And Judge Promo. Yes. And this is a card that is definitely more on the modern era print run size. So it will continue to go up because it is a format staple in. Uh, Legacy and EDH and Modern right now it's played in the control decks because once you can kind of control the board and or, or somebody's hand with your counter magic, making them discard and removing an additional spell from their hand while basically giving your lands vigilance is pretty much the top tier in that deck. Yeah. yeah. So we're looking at the number one swords for both kind of uh, controlling style archetypes there, mid-range versus hard control. Uh, the trigger on this is also really interesting. Uh, the green trigger, which is to untap all your lands. My expectation was actually that we would see an Abzan deck with a lot of creature lands that wanted to take yeah. advantage of the untap. Maybe something with Sylvan Advocate that could bump up your creature lands because a 5-5 treetop village is nothing to sneeze at. And Shambling Vent as a 2-5 with lifelink is pretty decent. So we might still see a little bit more coming out of this card with additional shells as people experiment and the modern format slows down by a half turn to a turn. Yeah. But I, I think we're we're kind of at its peak for the time being. Agreed. Uh, I think that it's probably going to be the least played of the good swords. Mm -hmm. uh, just because, like, in, in Legacy, obviously it's absurd because you have Brainstorm, Ponder, Preordain, you have all these ways to generate card advantage. Modern just too often ends up as everyone's hellbent in top deck mode, and Feast and Famine is really bad there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is Death and Taxes is the deck in Legacy, and that relies on the card advantage coming off of Fire and Ice before it relies on the hand disadvantage of Feast and Famine, though it is still played in that deck of, yeah. of note. Uh, so it, it definitely still has a home in Legacy, just not the same kind of home that it does in Modern. Yeah. Uh, next on uh, our list and our trending of swords is Sword of the Meek. That is a card that had been popping for a while. And it popped with Stoneforge Mystic even harder because people immediately began playing Blue-White Wurza. Uh, a handful of Star City players, uh, not not like employees of Star City players, but the some of the teams, the players on the teams yeah. playing their circuit, thought that that was actually the worst version of that deck to play, and then proceeded to crush the next modern event without Stoneforge Mystic in their deck compared to those that did. But what we saw this past weekend in Ghent is that one of the top four teams that was playing Wurza actually was playing Blue-White Wurza. Yep. So they could tutor up sword, play fewer copies, go back to that style of four and one foundries to sword, or maybe yeah. four and two. And Stoneforge lends itself to that deck a little more, and I believe they had a more controlling shell. The winning deck lists uh, for the Grixis Urza list that did actually play Teferi 3 CMC. Yeah. 
they kind of splashed white for that, but this blue-white deck actually just got to play it natively. They didn't have to worry about astrolabe tricks or fetching some weird snow basics here and there. Yeah. So Sword of the Meek is going to continue to kind of crush it in that deck. And until somebody figures out how to basically work around Warza and make them pay for dirtling for 50 minutes per round, that card is going to do nothing but keep going. Spell snare, kids. Spell snare. Look, I mean, I would love it if Burn was playable. Yeah. Eidolana the Great Ravel is a, a hell of a card, man. Yeah, it is. It, it, it can control that deck to a point, but the rest of the format just kind of dunks on Burn right now. Like, yeah. There's a good bit of exposition for Patrick Sullivan at uh, Star City Syracuse this past weekend about Burn. You can go, it's on, it's somewhere in day two, and you can go listen to yeah. it. He spells out very clearly why it's not great right now in Modern. Yep. But immediately, that deck is one that can take care of Warza. There was a decent amount of black red x in the top eight or sorry top four of ghent in the form of mardu death shadow and jund yes so you have a lot of in hand control in the form of discard and targeted removal that can kind of take care of warza but that's again slows the format down and doesn't lend itself to a burn based format so you can still have warza succeed as you rebuild that shell because it's it's a fairly robust shell and it's very redundant yeah. So Sword of the Meek is going to continue to be a player in Modern. We're going to continue to see that card go. It's never coming back, and uh, price-wise, until they reprint it. Yeah, which I don't think they'll do. I don't think so either. That card's just weird. There's a lot yeah. of text going on there. Now, a whole lot. Uh, the first of two pieces of living equipment on our list, Batter Skull. This is a card that has seen a one-and-a-half printings, new Phyrexia and a GP promo. Yeah. Right? Uh... I, this is obviously real. It's the win con of choice for Stoneblade and Legacy. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any reason it shouldn't be in Modern as well. Nope. I, it's it beats Burn, which is Wurza's biggest <coughs> problem. Yeah. Um, it's just a it's it's good. It is a hundred percent of the decks that ran that run Stoneforge Mystic right now in Modern run Batter Skull. As far as I as far as I could tell, a hundred percent of the decks that play Stoneforge Mystic always pick up Batter Skull, yeah. including the Blue White Wars deck. Yeah, there was one Batter Skull, and I had a I had to search real hard in the Channel Fireball list to find what else you were targeting. I actually didn't know it was a Wars list to begin with when I was looking at the Blue White list. I just saw Stoneforge and some Tempo stuff, and I thought it was an Azor Stoneblade list. Yeah. Then I I, uh, I read because reading's hard. It's fundamental. Yeah, found out it was it was a Wars list, so that was good. And again, this is another card that's just not coming back. I actually bookmarked the storm scale for this conversation. Huh. Yeah. And I remember, living weapon is pretty high up in the storm list, meaning we're most likely not going to see it come back. No, I I don't think we will. We may see it in like a master set or like MH two. Yeah. But I just I don't think this card's going to get a reprint outside of masters, outside of a commander, some supplemental product. We'd have to go back uh, to Mirrodin to see living weapon again. For the most part, unless for whatever reason there's like some sword with legs kicking it on yeah. Eldrain. Like something like that we, we might see. But I doubt we're going to get as many living weapons as we did on uh, Phyrexia's, or sorry, Mirrodin. Uh, whatever it's called, yeah. Yeah. Battle Skull is now coming back. I believe the GP promo is still lagging behind the, the set version in terms of overall price. So this is a kind of a, a pick your poison or choose your own adventure. If you need to play it, go whichever with whichever one suits your fancy but in the end 
the set version should cost more than the GP version because the GP version was a promo for an entire year. Yeah. I believe it was towards the end of that cycle. It was like Stoneforge, Batterskull, Gristlebrand, and Progenitus. And Jit was there too. Yeah, but that was earlier. Like the yeah, literally that, that like the early. last yeah, four yeah, or five. Progenitus and Gristlebrand were the last. Two, I felt yeah. like I was giving up Progenitus for like 18 months as, as a judge. Like It was awful. So Batterskull should... If you're looking for an investment here, Set should be the best one to move into because Set foils are gone, yep. and the GP promo has infinite stock. So yep. Now moving on, we have some of our answer cards or cards that we thought would get. Or personally, I thought we'd get a little better with this next one. I'm yeah. surprised that it spiked. Spellcrawler. I thought we would see uh, an Azor list or a Jeskai Flash list that involved. Spellqueller, Resto Angel, Snapcaster, Mage, playing a kind of blue-white Delver-style game, just tempo. And it would have been yeah. one of the first decks developed with Stoneforge Mystic, where that was your only sorcery speed play, in essence. That has not happened, necessarily, but people are toying with Spellqueller, I believe, in the Bant deck. Yep. And uh, while it hasn't seen a bump immediately, the average price on Stoneforge Mystic has been climbing since... Uh, or really? Spellqueller. Spellcrawler, yes, since about September 5th. More yeah. average caught up to market, and they just are starting to invert after this past weekend. This uh, it's also something that I think, like, it, it would already existed in an archetype. Yes. So there was no reason it shouldn't be worth more. Like, it, it was a good deck. Mm -hmm. It's an aggressive card, and I think that, like you said, it is one of the best answers for the deck and against the deck. Yes. Because it just hits what you need it to. Yep. Uh, it's a 2-3 that costs 3, so it doesn't dodge any piece of removal unless you don't have a Revolt for Fatal Push. It is extremely susceptible against everything in this format, but it is a counterspell that doesn't exile... Sorry, that doesn't counter much... Uh, yeah. Like a... Is it a... Not abrupt together, something else. That is a destroy spell that works similar to Spellqueller, where you don't actually... You're not committing the same style of action, it just gets around that weird, like... Can't yeah. be countered style thing. Cool, I'm not countering it, I'm exiling it. Yeah. And so you can get abrupt decay with spell queller kind of stuff. So this is a, a pretty good utilitarian card. It costs six right now. There's no reason why if the Bant deck or an Azor deck doesn't come up, this isn't an eight to ten dollar rare. Flash yeah. is fine, but the ability is kinda weird. Like remand isn't a hard counter, but we're not really gonna see that card come back into standard anytime soon. So seeing no. this card again. Out, it's not tied to Innistrad. They could put this anywhere else they want to. It yeah. just play patterns weren't great. It's a super weird effect. Doubtful it's coming back, and if Spirits ever crops back up directly, this card's just not coming down. Yeah. So this the is... interesting thing, though, sorry to interrupt. No, no. Uh, the foil has actually climbed since the Stone Forge unbanning. So it's interesting that we've oh, seen yeah. movement on the pack foil version, but we haven't seen movement on the non foil. So, it, it typically you'll see the foil precede the non-foil. Uh, so it could be that this is going to pop before too long, just through market forces, and not necessarily like being in a deck. But I agree, yeah. like this, it is a card which clearly should be in one of the decks. Yeah, I would we, think if we did this podcast yesterday instead of watching football, we wouldn't have seen uh, average take over market this morning we would have just seen yeah. it kind of coast along and catch up but because we did delay a little bit we're able to see this so this is a card that will like if you if you don't 
You don't have them, you want them, you think this tempo deck is going to be the, the one you want to play, either Bant or Azor or Jeskai, then get in on this card now. Yeah. That's all I really have to say about that. And then I think this last card in the real spike section is more up your alley than it is mine. Yes. Uh, Command. So, once upon a time, Jace was unbanned in Modern. And everyone was like, oh, we're going in on Jace. We're going in on all these cards that Jace, like, Jace runs. And my thought was, what answers Jace? Because that is going to see a spike as well. Command slides into Jund, which was already a tier one deck, thanks yep. to Renin Six and CZ Peasy. Uh, and it is a very concise answer to every aspect of Stoneforge. Hit your artifact, hit your Stoneforge. They can discard a card if they Stoneforge into just an artifact in hand. Mm -hmm. It just does everything you want against Stoneforge. And the decks it's good in, the decks it goes in, were already well positioned in the format. Mm -hmm. And they only got better because they were more able to answer what was seen for a little bit as the boogeyman of the format. Yes. Um, similar to a few months ago when Collective Brutality was a 15 to $20 card. Mm -hmm. It was just really efficient. It did everything you wanted. Command, which was already very well positioned, now definitely does every single thing you want. Absolutely, yeah. So I I think that's, that's real. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think the meta's going anywhere for a while to make that crash. I think this, you know... 15 to 18 dollars is the new absolute floor for this card yeah 20 dollars is where it should be i think it'll be at 20 dollars for the next indefinite oh yeah unless uh, something drastic happens because not only does it answer stoneforge it answers Wurza. yes that's that's what i wanted to mention too was was that like i'm going to bring up the graph real quick and the first time we see stoneforge mystic pop is on monday august that's so sorry k, uh, k command pop was uh monday august 26th but that's the market price, not the average. The average just keeps going up and up and up, supporting the fact that this card is just going to keep going. But I think what we saw then, I was trying to figure it out, was the Mardu Shadow List start, yep. start coming up, which plays K-Command alongside uh, Ranger of Eos, and it basically allows you to rebuy your entire deck. Yep. Now, with Jund coming back and having a decent game against the format where you're no longer looking at like at a deck that's like 51% against the majority of the field, you're keeping back up to that 55-56% you need to actually be a real deck yeah. with, alongside uh, Renin 6 being your new toy and Warza being a deck that this card is an absolute house against you're looking at a card that's just going to stick around in this format until the end of time Yeah, it's going to take a, some either some some something new or some emergency banning before this card goes away and it's just a good clean card nothing about this is is unfair it doesn't break anything it just keeps the format honest yeah that's that is the perfect word for it honest yep. uh because it it helps the fair decks against unfair decks and against card advantage mm -hmm. so it's just perfect absolutely uh, i I'm happy it's back, not because I have a bunch of them, because I knew this card would be good, but because when cards like this are good, that means the format is a little slower. It needs to be where where Watsi wants it, so the format yeah. kind of plays a little better, so there is a little more back and forth. I don't mind it being a turn three format, as long as the control decks or the mid-range decks can get a footing in those first few turns, but when they can't, and cards like k command and collective brutality can't be used to, to slow the game they're only used to advance the game plan of a deck like death shadow 
yeah. then I don't think modern's in a place where we really want it to be. But Agreed. So for our real spikes, K-Command rounds it out. Now moving on to our fake spikes, the first one I want to talk to, I talk about rather, is Sword of War and Peace. Garbage. Quite Absolutely bad. garbage. Now, it's not because the protections are irrelevant in modern. Protection against red and white is really good. Path to Exile, Lightning Bolt, Lightning Helix, hell of, hell of a card. All, both of them. All of them. Wear and tear. All. Yeah. You know, Wear and Tear still gets the sword, but it doesn't get your artifact ding-dong on the other side of it. Relevant protections. Yeah. What is now completely irrelevant is the red trigger. When this card was originally printed, the red trigger you could just spew off anywhere. It was one of those little bits of verbiage that got cleaned up not too long ago and no longer allows you to do damage to any source. Because it said play, or previously, you could redirect to Planeswalkers and kill a Planeswalker. Thus, when it was when we went through that verbiage update, it stays at player. So you can no yep. longer hit the player and get the Planeswalker. Yep. This card has lost all value in regards to playability. It's still good in EDH because you play all the equipment you can in EDH. But this is not sure. a card that's going to see play. It has the set printing, and just like all the other swords, it has the invention. But that's it. There's nothing floating this card outside of EDH playability right now. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know if you have anything more to add to this. I think it's No, that's pretty much it. It's garbage. It's it's bad and it should feel bad. Agreed. Uh the the last sword on our list is not body in mind because that didn't make the list at all. Card's bad. It It's good in cube. Yes, in cube. It's True. the only sword I don't play in my cube because of how good it is. I would rather get de get decked by Ulamog than that sword. That's fair. You you have to design around Ulamog. Warren Pete or Body of Mind just goes in every cube deck ever. It does. And that's the problem. Exactly. Yeah. So Body of Mind not here. However, our other Dark Steel Sword is Light and Shadow. Yeah. Light and Shadow saw the Dark Steel printing. It saw the uh, Ma Modern Masters One printing and uh, an event deck print or no? I uh, know it was Judge Promo and yep. Masterpiece. Yep. Okay. So just just a separate modern and uh, modern masters. Yep. Now, this is a sword that looked like it was going to pop. On the, the first Star City event, in the first few rounds, we saw it do a little bit of work in in the Bant deck, in the Bant Flasher, Bant Snow deck, whatever you want to call it, the the dirtiest thing on camera in the first five rounds. Yeah. There was a little bit of a snafu with uh, Giver of Runes giving protection. Yeah, and to something with a sword that it yeah, couldn't have given protection, protection against from. something with a sword, so the sword should have fallen off and blah, blah, blah. The sword is still powerful, but the problem is it wasn't powerful enough. Yeah. The sword didn't do anything. That deck just spun its wheels and dirtled. If we had done the cast when we originally wanted to, we would have put this card on the real list because it was just, we thought it was going. People were yeah. people have been talking about it all week. It was finally putting up results. I delayed this cast, and now we have results from Ghent with that same deck. No light and shadow in that deck. Yep. Light and shadow is just a, a bygone relic of two weeks ago. That's it. Time Time's fast. Exactly. Deal with it. The price spike on this card thus is false, but the truth about it is a new floor. Yeah. We're, 
the the price went up, but because this is still a dark steel sword that has only seen the modern masters printing, the judge promo and the invention, you're going to have a price based on scarcity again. Yeah. That which I think is the forty five to fifty dollar range rather than the thirty to thirty five. Yeah. It 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 and War and Peace should basically fight for like the bottom two slots on, uh, out of all five seven swords that we have currently. Sinew and Steel and uh, Truth, whatever the blue Yeah, it's right. a sword, sword and Sword. Yeah. Or uh, Sinew and Sword. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, War and Peace and uh, Light and Shadow should be fighting for the bottom slot uh, out of all seven swords that we have right now. It's, yeah. it's not great. Like, white and black are relevant protections for modern, yes. The most relevant. Yep. Yeah, but the two, but both halves of the trigger are just not, not good. good. No. Yeah, they're they're the only one that's remotely relevant is gain three life against burn. Mm -hmm. But you know what I don't want to board in against burn of five mana sorcery. Yeah. That gains life if I connect. That's just bad. Correct. I, I think had a the the person that played this deck at the first Star City tested a little more with the other swords, they would have found out what the person from Ghent did, which is I believe they were playing Fire and Ice, which seems correct in a deck just full of like one to three CMC creatures. You just need to churn through your deck as quickly as possible, and you have your uh, relevant recursion on Ranger Captain. But yep. outside of it, you know, that that's that's that. Or not recursion, the, the silence. Just because yeah. you can't rebuy it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So that'll round out the swords. I don't think... Sinu and Steel and Blue and White are relevant right now for Modern. If we see that Azor deck, uh, Stoneblade or Spirits, we might see the Blue-White Sword because the plus one, plus one counters and then Proliferate ends the game really quickly. So it allows you to play this interesting game of minimizing the amount of creatures you get to play and play more like Lord-style effects, much like Merfolk. But yeah. I don't think we're in a place right now for either of those swords. And they are steady EDH players, 100%. But... They're not going to go up because of Stoneforge Mystic. Yeah. Uh, I do have one more for the False Spike. Okay. Uh, and that is, you know, unfortunately, guys, I'm sorry. Manriki Gusari. That was a meme. <laughs> I was right about that. It's not real. Thank you for listening, and thank you to the people who came out to <laughs> Star City Dallas and bought a bunch of copies for $3 each from me. You guys are the real heroes. Yeah, they're the MVPs. I still have a... I wasn't joking about the 2011 Legacy tech. I still have my man Riki Gusari uh, for Legacy. Yeah, I and I will say this: the foils went from eight to twenty, and I think twenty is a real price for that foil. So thanks yeah, to everyone I, for that too. Yeah, I think the at least the foil price should stay because equipment is huge in EDH, and it's a convenient way to just one eight seven equipment in, in yeah. that format. You. you when I played it in Legacy, I played it in a slower Stoneforge Mystic deck, and it was basically there just to take out Jite. Yeah. So without Jite in Modern, you don't really have to worry about that kind of play, that, that counterplay. No. So uh, this last section that we were going to get into is something that I added to the list after we talked about doing the cast initially, and this is uh, expectations. Yes. Cards that didn't spike, but uh, either you or I expected some movement on them. Yeah. The, the first one on the list is one I actually thought to check on a couple days ago, and it's Basilisk Collar. We yeah. first saw that card pop up when Eldrazi Tron was coming up, because you could just slap it on a walking ballista and mode on a board and win the game from there with a bunch of middling and mopey Eldrazi. Yeah. I thought we might have seen something similar. 
I wasn't sure exactly how people were going to work Stoneforge Mystic into the format, but a tutor is more than just swords and batter skulls. It gets any piece of equipment. And Basilisk Collar does have relevant text on it for any creature that can just ping. It seemed relevant. I didn't move in on any of them, but it's just one of those things I wanted to keep an eye on. It was an expectation I had that somebody somewhere would have dirtled around a little bit and figured something out. Yeah. Uh, I believe Basilisk Collar has actually trended up recently, but not because of any modern play. It's just a decent card. It was reprinted, so it kind of bubbles it back up into the casual eye. Life Touch yeah. and, sorry, Lifelink and Death Touch are relevant Good. and Commander. Yeah, like, people do dumb things. Gaining life, it just keeps you around. Like, it's not just a plus 3-0 and Trample and Locks on Warhammer that makes that card a format stable. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it, it has value outside of that. Yeah, so I expected it to, to gain, it didn't, and I can't feel s- sorry or happy about it either way. I'm just kind of not disappointed, just surprised. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing that I noticed after we started looking over these lists is that you can actually get foils of each version for non-foil market on mm-hmm. TCG right now, which seems incorrect. So there's an opportunity there because, again, you know, not due to any modern play, just due to EDH casuals. Like, this card's really good. Yeah. Uh, and it's been growing steadily. And not that I think, you know, it's going to, you're going to wake up and suddenly it doubles in value. But I, maybe someone like that Selesnia Tron list we saw that we mentioned a couple weeks ago. If somebody finds some way to break that with Stoneforge oh, yeah. and all Celestia, of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You've, you've got that with Stoneforge and Basilisk, and it does well. Well, maybe, you know, someone gets FOMO and spikes it, and you yeah. can exploit a buy list somewhere. So. Yeah. Uh, speaking to Eldrazi lists, they're always a little tricky in what they want to do, because the entire your entire threat base, generally speaking, is colorless, so it lends itself to being a little creative in what they want to do. Everything costs somewhere between, like, 3 and 5, and there's a lot that yeah. goes into that space. And despite the fact that you don't have Tron in the Selesnya Eldrazi deck or the red green Eldrazi deck, that doesn't mean that a card like Hangerback Walker or Walking Ballista don't fit, something that can just pick up yeah. Basilisk Collar and be effective with it, even if it dies. I, even Endbringer. Yeah. You know. And yeah, exactly. Card's so, great with it, that. It might just be something to keep your eye on. Like I said, I was surprised that it didn't hit. Yeah. Uh, a, a quick one was a Mortar Pod. Not f- because it works with Basilisk Collar, but it's it's a piece of equipment that people always forget exists. When they do, it usually crops up into something weird, and there were just kind of murmurs about it. So I didn't know what people were doing. I just had expectations that somebody somewhere would have done something. We would have we would have seen the tokens list just mow somebody over with Mortar Pod, and that just didn't happen. Yeah, uh, that that was one that I I kind of expected someone to mention somewhere. Yeah, like oh, here's you can tutor this up and just like pew pew shoot stuff, but. I'm. I can't say I'm surprised I didn't see it, but I also would not have been surprised if someone did say something about it. Yeah, it's like grinding station combos oddly with things, and mortar pod is kind of like grinding station but more mana intensive. So it, like, yeah, somebody's gonna make some weird Doctor Seuss Rube Goldberg machine <clears throat> at some point, and mortar pod may be part of it. It might not, but it yeah. it would fit there. And then the last card on our list overall is uh, Mystic Forge. I expected that card to tank after the banning and vintage, but what yeah. happened, interestingly, was in Legacy, somebody built effectively Mystic Forge combo 
And I wish I could explain it to you as well as Arya Lax did in his uh, metagame breakdown, or deck tech rather, at the Star City Open this past weekend, but I cannot. It's basically... Watch it. It's yeah. great. It's a lot of Monorox, Basalt Monolith, Grim Monolith, Thran Dynamo, Mystic Forge, and you with the 4CMC Karn Lock, and you can basically make infinite mana. There's no Metal Worker and no Staff of Domination. There, but there is Paradox Engine. Yeah. So it uses, like, the EDH greatest list of uh, mana ramp and then combo engines to just make an infinitely large walking ballista and ping people out of the game. Yeah. Yeah, and if if you look at the the price spike on Mystic Forge, it actually they invert yesterday, they, like yeah. when he did his deck tech, it just gone. So with a new mud deck floating around that isn't control, it's combo, and it takes a while to get used to. That means there's refinements that can be made, and maybe this actually does become a decent piece of the metagame. Yeah. So my expectation was to tank. I was delightfully surprised when it actually has just kind of gone up. It didn't. Eat, Mystic Forge has not stopped. No. The end. Nor, nor will it. No. This is going to be an EDH player. It, right now it's a legacy player. We, we, we know it's in vintage, right? So all we're missing yep. at that point is modern. If it if it hits modern, then the card doubles, and that's it. So Hooray. Uh, exactly. So that rounds out the, the list of real, real spikes, fake spikes, and expectations coming out of the ban list. Uh, which, hopefully... Kept it short and sweet, and yes, moving on to picks. Yeah. All right, I want you to go to first on this one. Okay, so... This could also go in the expectations column of today's episode. I am going for Mask of Memory Foils. Mm -hmm. So... It is, like, outside of the swords, like, god-tier good mm -hmm. equipment in EDH. Uh, colorless filtering that also has card advantage and can be abused with graveyard strategies, obviously interacts with Stoneforge Mystic. From the first Modern Era set, which doesn't exist really. No. Um, and the foils are sub $10. Yes. Now, waiting a day actually let us see the market and average inverse since yesterday. Oh, yeah. So now you're seeing the... And we put it in our Discord Friday, uh, and you're starting to see a little bit of movement. Those are not related by any means, as far as I know. But this card is not going to see a reprint. It's just not... Well, in foil, might. Yeah, In foil, it will not see a reprint. We saw a reprint in Commander. Yes. Uh, additionally, you know, you can get into the fringe stuff like Border, blah, 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 whatever. I just don't think an equipment like this is in a limited format the kind of impact they would want to print in a modern set, or in a master's set. Uh, generic card advantage? Yes. Yeah. Something like this? No. Because it can lead to stuff they didn't see happening. Uh, I just think it's long-term, it's been steadily climbing. The listings have been getting lower and lower and lower, so that now we actually only have 11 listings total for foil on TCG, counting damaged foils okay so the quantity has been slowly dwindling it looks like there's a couple listings for sub six dollars for foils still so like there's no reason this card should not be like a 
10 to $15 at minimum foil. And I could even see it getting to the point where it's like a $10 card kingdom buy list. Yep. So this was in Commander 2014. That's the monocolor commanders for anybody that's uh, interested. Uh, this is a card that I've played before, and we were talking before the cast, in <clears throat> red-white equipment. Yeah. Because that, aside from some, not some, a number of cards that tutor up equipment, this is the only way to really just continuously draw on a very hard-to-interact-with uh, permanent. Yeah. You know, it, it's better than a rummage, but this adds no stats to your creature, so it doesn't really play the kind of game that Watsi wants us, wants us playing right now. And yeah. when we live in a world where creatures, like I said last week, have two, three, four abilities, tacking on more than just some stats or an evergreen keyword is a little much. So it's yeah. doubtful that we see this card again in standard. It, and I hate to say it, seems a little too lacking for a master set reprint. So the yeah. next time we would see this would be another commander set. And those are limited releases, and this is... You know what happens this card just goes up because eventually people find it you yep. got a deep dive gatherer to find this thing unless you played back in myriad and block and you still have a draft chef yeah like, and then you probably have oodles of it sitting around in a bulk box somewhere yeah because you could not really play equipment like that in myriad and draft Ele no uh, electrostatic bolt was a hell of a card it was great so, i don't know oh I like this. I like I said I played this card and I forgot about it until you mentioned it. But as soon as you said it, I knew exactly what it was and I knew how powerful it was. So this is uh, definitely an, an interesting pick that I I can get behind. Uh, my my pick for the week is a uh, a little less obscure. I'm going with a rotating rare from Dominaria in Ariel Knight of Wind Grace. Yeah. This is one of two rotating rares night related that have gone up in price since the announcement of all the night tribal cards the ariel is the black white knight that makes additional knights uh, for her white activation and for the black activation tap x untap knights you control destroy target creature with power x or less pretty good so, yeah this is the card that's uh stayed pretty low and really has only seen a bump since the night tribal stuff the reason i like this is because this is a very low investment card uh, we see the market right now is 46 cents that is right now 10 cents more than i got in on uh, last week when i announced this pick i got uh, somewhere around 40 or 50 for about yeah 36 cents so this is a card that has gone up market wise in the, the past few days it is also of the two the cheaper option and the more relevant card. Yeah. Valiant Knight is the other knight, and it is effectively just a lord, which isn't bad in and of itself, but in a deck where you need your creatures to do a little more because you're going to be making some vanilla, a lot, not some, a lot of vanilla tokens, putting them yeah. to work for you is going to be the way to go. And there are a lot of other knights that do that. They have already spiked. Yeah. So I had a list put together of like eight or ten relevant knights including things like phyrexian crusader yeah which is a knight and i forgot about that has pure gone steel up. paladin yeah both of those and both of those can end a game very quickly pure steel paladin yeah. just lets you chain through with your draws and phyrexian crusader is what you put all that equipment on just to knock somebody out but when you need to play this middling game and survive a little bit ariel's one of your better options i believe in this card more than some of the other ones like student of warfare that just yeah. is a not a vanilla Dude. creature yeah that's all it is. It just gets big and has double strike. Uh, 
Okie dokie. But Ariel, aside from not having haste, is impactful to turn you on tap with it because you can start 187ing other creatures on the board and you can start pumping out more tokens. So this is a relevant card in in the relevant colors. If you go by the Mardu legend that yeah. they kind of ham-fistedly gave us. Prior to that, it was Edgar Markov was your Mardu knight. If you want yeah. legitimately a Mardu lord. If you just want to play the black-white version, this is also a really good commander for that because it only costs four and is extremely relevant once you, want to, once you can untap with it or give it a pair of boots. Yeah. And it just has a ton of playability... And the entry cost is also really low right now because we're heading into rotation. These should be easy to pick up either off of a vendor site or out of binders. Because anybody who yep. just plays standard or stand or not EDH essentially should just dump these. And even at Take market, them. yeah, like even at market of fifty cents, it should be fine. Yeah, and I like that you mentioned Valiant Knight, and I think that that is kind of a trap uh, because traditionally. Tribal decks like this are vulnerable to board wipes. Mm -hmm. So Knight Exemplar, to me, is the better lord because it gives all your knights indestructible, which is yes. way more relevant than the plus one, plus one, and pay extra to give them double strike. So of the now rotating cards in standard, I think by far and away, uh, th this is the better pick of the two. It's also the type of thing that, like, Sure, I guess we could see it printed in a commander set at some point as a non-foil, but I think seeing that only stands to gain the card value because it gets more eyes on it. Yeah. Yeah, I think right now it's hot. It's going to move because of the Night Tribal stuff. You're going to have to wait for Eldraine to release to see this card really start to uptick. But it's just interesting how it is one of two cards that are just super casual that are trending up as we head to rotation in literally two weeks. Yeah. So that kind of clues us in that people are moving on this card to some degree. Card Kingdom's only buying nine, but Dominaria's been out for almost 18 months right now. And yeah. it's a regular rare. So the entire time they're cracking this and nobody's buying this card, they're just sitting on oodles of them. It's not a great indicator of really what's going on with this you have to look towards graphs like stocks and put a little more faith in them than you might want to but it's a casual demand casual yeah a casual card that had no demand really up until this week and now we're starting to see it move and we didn't see it like totally jackknife so we're not no. seeing speculators move this we're seeing players actually move this card and that's what i like to see when i take some of this low-hanging fruit yeah uh because if if it's the players moving it it's much more likely to stick exactly which is, you know, a topic for another episode. Mm -hmm. But I, I think this is a solid pick. And like I said, of the rotating knights, I think by far and away it's the best one. Okay. Thank you. But yep. that's it for this week, guys. Yeah, you know, that's uh, keep keeping it easy. Yep. Uh, next week will be our announcement of who wins the C19 box. Basically, yep. we will be freezing those as late in the day on Sunday as we can stand it. Yeah. So if you haven't entered between now and then, please do so. We'll be throwing out some extra reminders on Twitter. Yep. The UMA giveaway is still going strong. Yeah. So you know, as we're cranking along on patrons, we're getting closer and closer to that that giveaway. So if you're thinking about it, do it. Just jump in. Yeah. You know, relevant conversation in the Discord all weekend as the legacy event was ticking along. I was doing my little my research on knights randomly last yeah. week, so that was Throw, a fun. Throwing that in every now and then. Yeah, that was, sure. a, yeah. that was a fun little bit of conversation to have but 
We are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Patreon. I am at Halt I am Reptar on Twitter. You are I am at Thirsty Sizzler on the Twitter. And we'll see you guys next week. Yep. See ya.